Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. And Rafe Beckett is here with us now alongside Cornelius Lysick. Cornelius, great time of the year, this. It is. Uh, the, the flat is now underway, even if uh, some of the grand conditions have not exactly felt uh, uh, flat-like. But still, as you say, a, a couple more throws of the dice for uh, jumping with Punchestown, with Perth as well. Uh, big week coming up there. And then with the finale, the jumping finale at Sandown next week. So, uh, yeah, it's good. The Scottish Grand National yesterday as well. Uh, which was a, a, a grand type of race, as you uh, you said in your introduction. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be reflecting on that in a few moments. Time, Rafe. We'll also be having a look back at all the Guineas trials. You were a winner yesterday. There was just a moment about 5:30 yesterday evening at Newbury where it almost felt like spring again after <laughs> after a decidedly <laughs> wintry day. <laughs> um, but we're we're rolling now, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. Hopefully, get a warm week. That'll help us all. Yeah. Now. Well, I hope you didn't hear the weather forecast this morning, then, because no. it's about to get considerably colder, oh, no. according to uh, according to the oh. BBC weather forecast. As you know, I'm not necessarily a big fan of everything to do with the BBC, but in terms of the weather forecast, <laughs> <Are you not laughs> according to this? in terms of the weather forecasts, um, uh, I think they tend to be right. Unfortunately, right. I think it gets colder. They're talking about minus five in parts of Scotland on Tuesday. Um, I, I'm the only surprise is that none of us is running the, the marathon today. You did do it one year, didn't you? No, did I didn't. You, did you not? No, didn't. didn't your no. owner try and shame you into doing he it? He did. And I, um, I said, I, I decided that I wasn't a performing seal, so I wasn't going to do it. Because this, this was Sheikh Farhad, wasn't it, who tried to get all his trainers to mm. do the marathon. So who mm. did do it? Andrew uh, Balding did it, I Typically, think. yeah. <laughs> uh, Charlie Hills, <laughs> Robert Cowell, Richard Hannon... Uh, Somebody else. Uh, Some fine figures there. David Simcock. Yeah. I can't remember who the other was. Not R. Beckett. Oh, yeah. Well, today I think are probably good weather conditions if you are if you are running the 26 point whatever it is miles through London. And I'm very pleased to say we can connect now with the Moors, Haley and Josh, who are running the London Marathon and Native Cancer Research and have raised over 31,000 pounds. There they are. Morning, guys. How are you feeling? Morning. Morning. I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> been a from getting to the start, so we've, we've run a marathon before we have. But the, the train, the London um, train service has been living up to its name, and um, yeah, it's been a bit of a nightmare to get here. But there's loads of people. We just got off at Blackheath, so um, we're heading to the start now, which is exciting. Now, <laughs> obviously, on this very show, 12 months ago, Josh, we were actually pretty concerned as to, to whether you would be here at all, never mind running a London marathon in, in 12 months' time. When did the idea to do this come to you? Um, I mean, I, I always wanted to do another one after the last one. I, don't know, I wanted to break three hours next time I've done it because I was only just out last time. Uh, that, that, that won't be possible now, but um, um, I was watching it last year and where must it, when I was, it was run in the October last year, and I thought I'd like to have that as a target to, to do when, when I'm good enough. So, Are you feeling good? Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> now, am, am I right in thinking you're, you're not running together? You have to leave Hayley behind? Yeah, no, it's, it, it, won't, it, it won't be worthwhile. <laughs> um, in my defence, Nick, I did have a baby, so yeah. um, training hasn't been something that's come very easy for this one so and I'm not it's certainly not something I want to go in um having not done any training for it but it's an amazing cause that we're doing it for and you see the people around and I woke up this morning and learned about Betsy Williams and we're all rooting for her today and I've seen a lot of people running for cystic fibrosis and I know that's very close to your heart and the amount of support we've had, it's, it's made me incredibly emotional and grateful. And to have him alongside me, 
probably doesn't realise it, how much it means to me. So I, I'm here because if you'd have told me this this time last year, I would have said how much I want to be here doing this today and how I wish that was the case because he was on a ventilator, a machine was breathing for him and he was getting nearly 100% oxygen. So it, it's a miracle that uh, he's here alongside me. So I'm incredibly proud of him. And the icing on the cake is that we're raising money for, for charity and we've had enormous support for a lot of my dad's owners, friends and family, strangers, people in the racing community. It's been incredible. So um, it's going to be tough because I stupidly haven't trained, but it, it, you know, it can be for a, a better reason. And um, I'm, I'm very proud of Josh for where he was you know, for last year and how he's, how he's got to this point. So it's, um, it's, a, it's an honour to be here with so many people. Uh, and Josh, Hayley's playing down her own part in this, but she was, she was by your side quite literally almost every minute last year, wasn't she? Uh, yes, she was early doors. So, uh, um, it, was, it was a time I wasn't aware of anything that was going on. Um, so it was hard for everyone. Like um, my mum, Hayley, my partner, Phoebe, and Phil, but he was only, he's not even free yet. So it's, um, it, was, it wasn't nice for anyone, but I, I wasn't aware of anything going on. So I, I was, it, it wasn't hard for me because I, I didn't have a clue what was happening, but we got lucky in the end anyway. Um, but Hayley, he he was aware of one thing before everybody else, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, I, I told him very early days uh, when I was pregnant, so he had to pull through so he'd uh, be here to meet my little girl. So um, thankfully, he listened to me, and uh, and he's he's met little Alice. So um, yeah, we're we're really looking forward to seeing them at the finish line later on today. They'll be up here, so that will be a brilliant moment. Fantastic. Well, whatever you guys say to me now that you're going to do time-wise, I would definitely be a seller on both. <laughs> um, Josh, best of luck. Hayley, best of luck. Great to talk to you both. Well done for raising so much money for charity. And um, rather you than me. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Hayley. Justgiving.com forward slash team forward slash Josh and Hayley Miracle Marathon. We've said it so many times. Great family, great people. Terrific. You know, they're, they're uh, inspiration to us all, really. They'll be trained to the minute, won't they? Look at the amount of winners that the, uh, the more stable is producing this month. Um, so uh, they'll be absolutely ready to go. I think your analysis there of uh, the likelihood of the time is probably spot on. But the runners today for racing welfare as well. And there's a guy that we in the media are very familiar with from Great British Racing, Ben Young, is running for a mm. dementia charity, which has touched his family and my family and lots of other families as well. So lots of people doing their bit today, which is, uh, which is great. And can, good luck to all of them. Uh, Hayley was mentioning uh, Betsy Williams there, daughter of trainer uh, Christian. <laughs> And his, uh, and his partner, Charlotte, um, she has been diagnosed with uh, leukaemia, or she was diagnosed with leukaemia uh, during Cheltenham week. It's clearly been the, the darkest of times for the, the Williams family. We send you all our love and support. You've been a, a great supporter of us over the years as well. And yesterday, you were rewarded with a victory in the, in the Coral Scottish Grand National, courtesy of Kitty's Light, uh, one of these horses that has has really chiselled his way into, into national hunt racing enthusiast hearts, Cornelius. He's not very big. The trainer said the fences get in the way a bit, but if he can get his way from one side to the other, then he just keeps rolling along. There he is uh, with the red sleeves in about uh, fifth place. He's by Nathaniel, isn't he? He is. Uh, so he's really bred to be doing something with Rafe uh, on the flat. His jumping isn't always brilliant, but actually on this occasion, until we get to the final fence, it was, uh, it was pretty solid. Ridden by Jack Tudor, horse runner-up in the race last year to his stablemate. Just not brilliant there, but look at the last coming up in a minute. Was second to uh, uh, win my wings of Christian Williams's 12 months ago. Had won the Ida. Look at this. Ooh, hot, hot, hot slightly. It's good job the they're road. a bit softer than they used to be. <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, not only has, uh, has this horse uh, now won the Ida, now won the Scottish Grand National as well. He was, he was well handicapped too, he was pretty well supported, but uh, clearly uh, the, another Grand National, on this occasion the Scottish Grand National, uh, has uh, produced another heartwarming story and it was very emotional afterwards as um, you know, Christian had spoken about uh, Betsy and her illness and uh, clearly the stable has been as affected by it 
as uh, as Betsy's family. Uh, but to have gone and done that uh, was absolutely magnificent. And a, another part to that magnificent story was the fact the runner-up Cooper's Cross is owned by Jimmy Fife and Scott uh, Townsend, whose Hill 16 uh, lost its life at Aintree last week. So uh, that was uh, uh, an extra uh, part of the whole story. I tell you, big run as well for a small stable from Magna Sam. Yeah, finished don't, fifth. Don't talk to me about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think for a second that uh, when Alex Edwards took that to the front, perhaps uh, those who were supporting the horse thought <laughs> you, you you thought that, did you, at that point? Mm. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, as often happens in these long distance chases, you get to the closing stages and the cavalry are coming. He's ended up yeah. running an absolutely magnificent uh, race for Alistair Ralph and team in fifth place. But the story all about Kitty's Light, yeah. all about uh, Christian Williams and Jack Tudor. And, and that, you know, big, big thing for him. He's just got the David Pipe job, one of the biggest jobs in racing. Uh, and he's clearly, uh, he's only 20 years old. He's clearly able to uh, to juggle that and uh, working for his uh, his mentor, Christian Williams, as well. well I want to go back to to the drama at the start of the Greenham Stakes yesterday, which saw Frankie Dottori unseated from Chaldean. Isaac Shelby was the winner for Brian Meehan in the Sankster Colours. Just keep, keep your eye to the left of the break in the gate there. And across Chaldean comes Streets of Gold. And Chaldean is heading toward the main body of the field and Frankie's deposited on the, on the turf. And it doesn't bear a right lot more analysis, Rafe, does it? No, it's your worst nightmare, really, because horse clearly needs a run um, and he hasn't got one now under his belt before uh, fortnight's time. So it is a problem um, for Andrew, but I'm sure he'll work it out. I thought he looked for really well yesterday, uh, Chaldean, so uh, he hasn't grown much, but um, there looked to be more of him mm. than there was uh, this time six months ago. So, you know, I'd still... Uh, I wouldn't put anybody off backing him if they're uh, on the back of yesterday, that's for sure. Would this have done him any good? I mean, Connections have said it hasn't done him any harm. Just the experience of going away to the races, walking around the paddock, going down to the start and having a canter. Would it have done him any good? Uh, yes, certainly, but perhaps not as much good <laughs> as you'd like. Uh, uh, but yes, it will have done. I'm sure uh, you know, he'll, uh, he'll have lost a few kilos for it. He'll have tightened up for it. And... Um, you know, he'll work again, no doubt. And I love the way he went back at Isaac Shelby here, you know, <laughs> just sort of has a go at him there quietly, doesn't well, he? he's going to have a nip of him there for a minute. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, frustrating, enormously frustrating. Of all the things you imagine might happen, and there were various, obviously, yes. you're thinking A, B, C, D, or E, or F, or G might win, but no-one probably thought, especially the week that Frankie was back in Britain, that something like that was going to happen. But, can, uh, can we just have a look at the start again of the... Of the Greenham. Because you've got the situation where there's the break in the two sets of stalls. And look at Chaldean here. Okay, yes, Streets of Gold comes across. But if there'd been a horse right to the other side of him, where that gap was, it, it, it would have, have kept him straight, wouldn't yeah. it, Rafe? He wouldn't have had that 45 degree angle to veer off at and Frankie losing the momentum. That's not a satisfactory stall set up for a, for a big race, is it? never really liked these stalls from the outset. Do you remember when they first came in and they were very lightweight and rattled and, you know, a lot of horses got... Uh, uh, the, the, the back gates weren't at all satisfactory. A number of horses uh, resented them and we had endless problems. They're heavier now. But I agree, I don't think that, that middle gap is, is satisfactory. It seems bizarre, it always seemed to me bizarre that the old-style stalls were actually a lot more satisfactory than what we substituted them with. So, but, you know, um, we are where we are on that one, I'm afraid. But uh, we mustn't let all that take away from what was a pretty fine yeah. performance as well by um, Isaac Shelby, named after a US general, I think, rather than a Peaky Blinder. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and the horse was in command, ho-ho, uh, from, um, from, uh, from, from some way out, wasn't he? And the loose horse probably was, was quite helpful, wasn't it? Just so he wasn't going to get lonely out in front. What, he was seventh out of seven, finished lame, though, mm. uh, behind um, Sheldon, uh last year. Uh, the French Guineas is the plan, um, which those colours did win. They won with Victory Note was successful, I think, in the French Guineas. Yeah, for Robert Sanks. Oh, did I it run in, Note ran, ran in the Magna colours? Ran in the Magna colours, but right. Turtle Island won the Greenham in these colours in '94. Right. right. So we're into 
and it's nerd, nerd, nerds territory but, but, now. But, but nerds, racing nerds, lo were loving. Uh, uh, obviously, I went the on the Irish guineas in bottomless ground. Yeah, well, uh, the, the result or the race itself may have been unsatisfactory, but see those Sangster colours uh, up there was was very nice to see, and um, you know, good to see Brian Meehan. Uh, in his stride at uh, this point of the season. Even better to see him right now, joining us from, from his base. Brian, good morning. Morning, Nick. Um, that must have given you great satisfaction yesterday. Clearly the horse was quite well fancied to run well. Sean Levy said that he hadn't worked as well as he'd liked at, at Lingfield. Why were you confident that he could, he could deliver yesterday? Uh, well, he went to Lingfield for for a race course gallop, which obviously, you know, made a big difference to the horse. That's the idea. That's what we do at Fur. You know, we take them to get them ready and get them fit uh, and tune them up. And, you know, since then, it's been pretty plain sailing, really. He's just been taken over and uh, it's it's been pretty easy with him, really. Um, to what extent do you think, looking at yesterday, would Chaldean have had to have been somewhere near his A game to beat you? Well, you know, it's a, it, that's a really difficult thing to say. Chaldean, you know, it, it, you know, I went into the race thinking that I would be probably, you know, he was the horse to beat, and if I finished second to him, I'd be really happy and I'd be on track. Um, I think the way he ran, the way my guy ran yesterday, I think he would have been a hard horse to beat. I think probably, you know, the, the two of them would have been taking each other on coming to the line. There was a bit of a difference of opinion between Sean and Sam Sangster, um, who heads the ownership group after the race. Uh, Sean seemed to think that the horse would be would be better on a slightly sounder surface. Sam thought that, that soft ground was an advantage to him. What do you think? Well, you know, we don't we don't always get that privilege, really. You know, usually we have to run where we've got to run. And, you know, with these horses, there is nowhere to hide. Um, you know, you have to take them to the races that, you know, they, they need to run in, which, you know, for my fella is going to be the French Guineas next time. Um, he's he's won a group two on good to firm. I'd be leaning probably towards more, uh, more towards Sean. I think he probably would be better on better ground. French Guineas then rather than Newmarket. What's the thinking behind that? I got a little spooked last time. At the, at last time we took him to Newmarket when we were in the Jewhurst. You know, he came back lame, came back sore. Uh, I think maybe I'll just, you know, go back there when he's a little more mature. OK, so it was just simply that, that experience of the Dewhurst. It's been a, a little while since you had a real top-notch miler. I, 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 I remember at the back end of the, the noughties thinking that Delegator was the biggest certainty that had ever looked through a bridle to win the 2,000 guineas, and you came up against quite a good one called See the Stars. Uh, you, I know, Never I know that. it still hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, see, see the Stars has turned out to be the, you know, horse of the century really um you know he, he's just an incredible individual and uh you know look i, I got a, a an association with with michael canan these days and he likes to keep reminding me of that day yeah um a delegator was a, a horse who probably would have won nine out of ten guineas or 19 out of out of 20 guineas and up comes yeah. this john sure, Oxby that one <laughs> gliding gliding upside you how does it feel though brian to be I say back in the big time, but but back with a genuine classic hopeful and running in these historic colours. You know, to have a horse like uh, Isaac Shelby is is just really special. You know, I've been I've been lucky enough to have been touched by a few of them over the years and and uh, and to be able to handle them. Um, you know, when you get one like him, it's uh, it's it's incredible, really. You know, the plans that you get to make and 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 you know the ambitions you get to have. Um, as far as the colours are concerned, you know, my association with Sam Sangster is uh, really strong, uh, quite a special one. Um, I mean, I remember when this horse was a yearling and, and you know, normally it's it's Sam holding me back, stopping me bidding. Uh, he, he stormed into the ring that day, Sam, and he said, I'm buying this and I don't care what they do. <laughs> so it's good. It's good. And he seems to have all that sort of enthusiasm for the for the sport that we re, we remember from 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 his late father you know, he just he's just so passionate about it it was it was great to see such such joy in the success yesterday uh you, you know he lives and breathes it you know as as a lot of the family do and uh 
you know, it's just, uh, it's it's great for Sam. You know, he's he, he plows his own furrow and he's successful and, uh, and, you know, lucky enough to have that partnership. Brian, well done yesterday. Look forward to seeing him uh, at Longchamp. Thanks, Nick. Brian Meehan, successful yesterday with Isaac Shelby. And nobody's going to begrudge them that, are they? No, not at all. It's terrific, I thought. I was, uh, I was standing about five yards from Sam uh, when the horse started to pull away and he was hopping up and down. It was great. I thought it was brilliant. I'm uh, really pleased with Brian, too. And, of course, it is always better for us, Cornelius, when the, the talent pool is, is quite diversely spread. Well, it's good, it's good for us in the media, but it's good for racing as a whole, yeah, isn't definitely. it? That, uh, that, you know, it, that uh, clearly there is a lot of power in certain, a relatively small number of bases, but just occasionally for it to spread around a bit uh, is absolutely fantastic. Does that, is that a good cue onto the Fred, darling? Well, I mean, quite a lot of the power is now based in... In Kimpton, isn't it? In, uh, 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 <laughs> well, we'll see. The proof. Ask me six months time. Yeah, for a long time. Ask me six months. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a there's a lot of power there, uh, and and Remarque has added her name to a pretty long list of talented horses that Rave trains at the moment. She won the Fred Darling yesterday, the Dubai Duty Free Fred Darling. She is in the uh, Richmond Watson Silks, the green, just partially obscured there with a white cap. Uh, Rafe. She clearly was expected to run a big race yesterday. This didn't come as any kind of a surprise to you. No, she'd done a very smart piece of work on the grass on Tuesday morning um, and found it pretty easy. So we were, we, oh, it wasn't a surprise. Um, she wasn't ready a week earlier. She was barely ready for yesterday. I'd sort of tiptoed our way there. She'd taken a long time to come in her coach. She still isn't there in her coach. So... Um, that wasn't great there. Just when he, he, I, when he dropped his stick, that didn't help her because she's then um, looking at the crowd and you see one ear cocked forward. But I thought she did it pretty easily um, in the end. And we'll, uh, you know, I was, I was delighted that that she'll have learnt plenty yesterday. She's pretty keen to post. He got a he, very good pair of hands, Rob, and he got a relaxed, settled in behind one, and he's gone through the race. Well, he's actually a little further back than he would have liked um, because he was he was getting her to drop it early. Uh, um, but she's going to learn lots, isn't she? She is, isn't she? Was it you trained the mum, the grandmother? Yeah, great grandmother. No, I didn't train the great grandmother. The great grandmother never ran. Uh, I think she was with Guy Harwood. Um, but the Richmond but, but, Watsons have had this family going back further than the, the page, haven't they? Yes. It goes back beyond yeah. what you can so see. So James Taylorhook um, bought the, all the all, all the mares, did all of it for Julian and Sarah, Sarah until uh, until he sadly passed away last year, and uh, he was a, he was a great uh, sounding board for them, and quite extraordinary. To they've never had more than six mares, Good and gracious. to read yeah. To bread, look here, Kinross, and Scope, and now hopefully this filly, all within the space of 15 years. Uh, it's quite extraordinary, mm. it really is. And look here, your Oaks winner, Scope, who sadly we lost, but probably would have been a great cup horse if he'd if he'd survived. And now you've got a a bang up fast miler um, from the family, well, all from the same immediate family. Yeah. Just extraordinary. Look, look, so was was pretty quick. She was. Uh, she's the granddam. She's the granddam. She she was she was quite good over seven and a mile. There's a good story about her. She'd won a couple at three, and was sent home. She lost her form, and Julian said, uh, "Put her in the horses in training sale." And because she was at home, I forgot. And so <laughs> I forgot to enter her for the horses in training sale, and the, cause the December sale closed at the same time. And so he said, well, what are you going to do now? <laughs> and because I was at Whitsbury, I suggested we... We used to do quite a lot of it then. Cover her and run her in foal and sell her in July. And uh, she won her first two at four. And then we covered her. And then she cracked her pelvis, so she couldn't, she, she couldn't go to the July sale. But a month before the July sale, look here, won the Oaks. So she would... Somebody would have picked her up. If I'd made that entry, somebody wow. would have picked her up for 10 grand. And wow. History would have been every, very, very different. Some people don't believe in she, fate and uh, yeah, the, yeah. these things. She'd be at Coolmore now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's only one outfit that picks him up for 10 grand in circumstances like that. And it's not you and me, Cornelius, no, I can tell not. you that. No. Wow, what a, what a wonderful so, twist So what's of fate. your team now for the 1,000 for the guineas? 
So we've still got five in it. Blue Stocking won't run. She'll go for an Oaks trial, probably. She's to, a Judmont filly, isn't she's she? She's a Judmont filly who won a maiden the same day as Remarque at Salisbury. Uh, she's a Camelot filly out of Emulus who won the matron for Dermot Weld. And she'll go there. Uh, Juliet Sierra will go to the Guineas. Mm. Philly who won the Dick Pool. She'll go straight there. Lazoo will go straight to the Guineas as well. Um, that's a leap of faith on pedigree, whether she'll get a mile, but... What's your hunch? She's a very relaxed filly. Um, on pedigree, there is zero chance of her staying a mile. I mean, literally none. But she does nothing at home. And she, as you've seen, she's very relaxed in her races. So, and she loved the Roly Mile last year. Yeah. So it's a shot to nothing because she doesn't get it. We just go back give sprinting. give a nice lead into the last furlong anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Chan's not watching, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, yeah, and Juliet Sierra, who won the Dick Pool, will go as well. So uh, Lose Yourself won't, so she's not quite ready. You were quite, um, quite positive about Juliet Sierra when she, she ran in the, in the Chibley Park as well, weren't you? Yeah, because I felt... Oh, I never felt she was a six-furlong filly. So I felt that she always felt that she slightly won the dick pool against against the curve in that sense. She's quite a free running filly, so we were always trying to get her to settle, which is why I didn't set her up, step her up in trip. Um, I felt that she sort of got a bit lost two down in the running down into the dip in the Cheveley Park, and then galloped out really well. Um, so. I, I, you know, I think she's a, a, I think she's a big price at fifty to one. Mm. Yeah, because she's not that far behind the others on talent, if at all. Quite. Um, as far as Remarque is concerned, is she? Do you think she's streetwise enough now for it? I think just she, on what we saw yesterday, yeah. with the stargazy head carriage and whatnot. Uh, do I think Remarque's yeah. street? Uh, I think she'll have learned a lot yesterday, and I think she learned a lot first time out. I'll probably put a sheepskin noseband on her next time just to, just to help her ride her out. Um, I, think, I think, yeah, I think yesterday will have done her the power of good. She's just got that, she just looked to have that little bit of brilliance. I don't know what she beat. She's beaten a once-race maiden winner. I know Hugo Palmer thinks a lot of her, and they're clear of a, a stakes horse who might not have stayed, but um, she just seems to have that little bit of dash and spark. She's, she could well do. We'll see, Nick, but she could well do, yeah. And, and as you said, they're not really in their, they're in their coats yet, are they? No, no, she definitely wasn't. So um, I was sort of a little bit uh, circumspect about that midweek. So I was delighted to see she looked better when I came back from the Breeze Up sales. Last year's derby. Well, we heard all about Desert Crown from James Savage, Michael Stout's assistant on this show a couple of weeks ago. He was purring with excitement about Desert Crown coming back in the, in the Brigadier Gerard, uh, And Sir Michael was offering slightly more cautious encouragement in interview this week. Of course, <laughs> we, we know that Westover should have finished a, a deal closer. And subsequent to this, Westover started this season with an excellent second to Equinox uh, in, in Dubai. I, I feel like I'm torturing you, showing you this again. But um, does it does it does it get slightly easier? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you can't you can't look back, can you? It's gone now. Um, Is there still a bit of you that thinks you could have won that? Not not as not as much as I, I suspect as 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 Westover's jockey, Rob definitely felt uh, he'd have got close, very close. I don't know, you know, Richard loomed up on the outside when we weren't going quite as well um, on the winner. Um, so, I, listen, it's gone now. We, we move on. But uh, uh, I look, look forward to taking him on again anyway. OK, I'll ask you the question, because you went to Dubai with Westover and it was a, it was a tough week for you because he's, he's an enthusiast, this horse, to put, it, to put it mildly. In the end... He appears to have run a cracker against a freakishly talented horse. Yeah, it was a we, we had a <laughs> we had a tough week. Um, I underestimated how fresh he'd be coming out of quarantine on Tuesday morning. He was supposed to do one lap of the training track, and uh, Beth Daly, his regular rider, couldn't uh, couldn't stop him from doing two. 
so that I mean, wasn't that, ideal. Is that nearly a game over, we can't run situation? Well, it, it's funny you should say that. I went to see Barry Mann later that uh, on Wednesday morning and uh, uh, Emily, his wife, was sitting about 10 yards away. After we'd finished the conversation, she said to him, has the horse broken his leg or something? <laughs> you know, because we were fairly, <coughs> you know, our, the body language wasn't great. We gave him an easy day on the Wednesday and then uh, Ryan Moore, um, we changed it around and he, we pulled out of the dark on Thursday and Friday morning and that sort of, we did a couple of other things mm. and uh, um, uh, we got him, we got him, uh, we took him to the main track then and, and that worked, uh, obviously, and he was pretty good in the preliminaries until Ryan got on him and then uh, he took a bit of wrestling to the start. He's just a horse who, who um, enjoys every moment um, and, you know, he's happiest when he's out and uh, at exercise and, you know, when he gets on the race course, you know, if he does get on his, if he does get on his bike, it's because he's looking forward to it, nothing else, you know. Do you think you're going to need to run him relatively frequently for a top-class horse? Uh, not sure about that, you know. He's not a difficult horse to train at home. It's just the travelling is, is a different gig, isn't it? And, uh, you know, he may go to the Tassel Cold Cup, he may go to the Coronation Cup, one of the two. I think, you know, mid-summer we'll, we'll be trying to dance every dance, probably, yeah, mm. as long as he's coming out of his race as well. Because this is his big year, isn't it? it this is. is it now, this is the stage. And, you know, I think exactly, and, and, and Longchamp last October showed that soft ground is not really for him. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd be very keen to Coronation Cup. I'd, I'd be quite keen on the Eclipse as mm. well because he was, he, was, uh, he was very good around Sandown on debut and in the, in the trial. It's a track that clearly suits him very well. So um, those, and then we'll work out. Well, he's, got to, he's got to run well next time before we decide yeah. what we do after that. But, you know, it's, it's his year, you're right. Did you? I don't know if you saw James Savage was sort of saying, bring it on, Desert Crown versus Equinox, if they brought Equinox to Asker. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What did you make of that, oh, having well, finished up the back of both Yeah, of I thought Equinox was extraordinary in Dubai. Um, wherever he goes, I'd be... <laughs> I'd have second thoughts about taking him on again, that's for sure. But you wouldn't mind having another crack at Desert Crown? That's for sure. Um, yeah, Equinox was ridiculous. I mean, just, just standing on the rail there, I don't think I was very far away from where you were standing, and Le Maire kept taking a pull and the horse kept quickening. It was just... He's not a, he's not a big, imposing sort of horse, no, either, horse, is he? Isn't he? Isn't he? So, um, but uh, he, he, he made them all look slow that day. To be training top-level horses for Judmon after not training for them for that long, how much of a, of a, of a breakout moment career-wise is that, do you think? I can still I can tell you where I was when uh, I got the call that I was going to they were sending me yearlings for the first time. You know, it was a big moment the t at the time. We did, were, did you know? Did you have an inkling it might be coming? No, totally out of the blue. No. And um, uh, I was on a train uh, going to the Peter O'Sullivan lunch in London with somebody with a neighbour of ours who doesn't stop talking. And, and uh, uh, she didn't notice, but uh, it was a big moment. <clears throat> and uh, the, uh, not least because of the time I was training sort of 65. Hey, you're in good form at lunch. I'll tell you what, yeah. whoever was drawn yeah. next to you. <laughs> uh, I was training 65% fillies at the time mm. as well, and John Moore didn't see it that way and immediately sent us half and half colts and fillies. And for a while I was training the American breads and so on. And it took me a while to train a stakes, winners for them, a stakes winner for them as well. But, you know, Biometric won the Britannia. That was a big... Mm. And uh, yeah, it changed everything. In, a, in the same way that Lockyer did way back, it changed everything for us. Yeah. Presumably, though, they have an expectation, given how they've graded these foals and yearlings, on what that horse is likely to achieve. And it's just a question of whether you go above or below that expectation line, isn't it? So if they send you one of the lesser pedigrees and you go and win a stakes race, then... Yeah. But if you get one of the absolute beauties... And don't. And don't. <laughs> it cuts both <laughs> no, ways, no. doesn't it? Of course. But doesn't it always? You know, yeah. we deal with that on every level. With are they, are they normally point. right? Are they very accurate? Yeah. It's, you, know, you know what you're getting? Yeah. 
yeah, you do. You really do know what you're getting, and the, the you know they're they're it's it's a you know look for they come they arrive in early February, and it's a big it's, you know that the the, the two-year-olds do, and because uh, obviously we haven't seen them beforehand, and uh, you know we've got some nice kit this time. I hope it's going. Have you got a classic colt this year? Good question. Quite a nice horse who was third in the Criterium at Saint Cloud, mm -hmm. the Criterium International, the mile race. What's called Salt Bay. He'll probably run in the uh, Sandown Trial on Friday. I think he's pretty good. Whether he's as good as uh, <clears throat> as those, I'm not sure. But here he jumped the path with Hector at, at Haydock. Has he? He's already done it, I think. He dropped. A, he jumped. A, well, there is no path at Haydock. There was a, a, a discoloured patch of ground, but he's pretty good that day. And then he was good in, in France. I felt, you know, on his second start running a Group One, it was a big. It was a big ask. He worked well yesterday. We'll see what happens on so Friday. Do you say Sandown Classic Trial this week? Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll just see. See how we go. Because I suppose the Sandown race gives you the option of another one if you need one, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. But you're seeing him as a possible derby horse. Absolutely. He's gone left-handed twice. Um, and it would depend how he went on Friday. That's a big deal for his owners if, if he were to get to Epsom. Um, but uh, he's got the temperament for it. And, uh, you know, he's a well-balanced colt as well. So we'll see. Can I ask about my old friend Haskoy? Yeah, she's, given she's only run three times. I mean... yeah. She's, she's in good world. shape. Yeah, yeah, she's in good shape. Uh, she did her first piece of work uh, yesterday. And uh, she's in the Yorkshire Cup. She might go for the Bronte at the end of mm -hmm. uh, May at York, mile six. Quite fancy her as an Ascot Gold Cup. Sorry, the Gold Cup contender. Yeah, you, um, you've, you've just escaped the wrath of the yeah, pedants there. The police exactly. were just going to knock yeah. on the door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I quite fancy her for that. Because uh, I'm convinced she'll stay um, by Golden Horn out of a Nathaniel Mare. Yeah, she should get she it. She should get it. Um, so, you know, and she's still a work in progress, you're right. You know, so what does she look like now? More masculine, funny enough. She's quite a fine, fine uh, filly last year. I think she's more robust this time. Because mm -hmm. she was tall last year, wasn't yeah. she? But she's sort of. I think she has thickened out, mm. yeah. Well, everybody knows that riding in races comes with its attendant perils, but very few of you, I think, will have um, appreciated or realised the journey that my next guest has been on through the last couple of years. A very, very promising rider, first with Dan Skelton and then with John Joe O'Neill. He has had an enforced absence, owing to a, a very unfortunate and, and critical series of of incidents that, are, that have left him now trying to fight his way back. And I'm very, really pleased to say that, that Will Marshall joins me in the, in the studio today. Will, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very much for having me, Nick. Not at all. And, and I should say, by way of background, you, you contacted me earlier in the week and said, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to come and talk a little bit about what, what I've been through and, and just the, the road through the last, the last year or two. Just, just tell me where, where you were at. You, you'd started off really well, hadn't you, with, with Dan Skelton? Yeah, you know, Dan and Harry, you know, amazing people. They got, you know, got, got, got me going nicely. And then, um, unfortunately, I, I take it as a positive. I had to leave Dan, you know, Harry fighting for the championship and things. And I then was very lucky and went to John Joe's and um, loved every second of it. And then, unfortunately, we got a, a nasty injury. And this was it. So it all started, the, this process, with a, with a fall on the, on the race course that was... It looked bad, but it didn't look awful at the time. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, no, I had a, a, not too bad of a fall, really. The con concussion symptoms persisted. Um, and then they sort of dropped out, but I constantly had a migraine that I couldn't get to shift. And I sort of tried every trick in the book and carried on, carried on. And then sort of three months later, then I had a heavy fall school in, in John Joe's on the all weather and obviously on the grassy roll and just took the brunt of the impact. And then week by week then... It got progressively worse and sort of moved to the back of my head and almost to the point where it was like a football being blown up in the back of my head and uh, sort of eight eight weeks after that fall I had to you know, speak to Dave, Robert's my agent at the time and sort of say, look, we're going to have to put the foot on the gas. It's somewhat not quite right. I believe it's a concussion, but I'm, 
it's persisted for a long time. We need to sort of try and look into it. And at that point, I sort of spoke to John, John and Dave and we sort of stopped race riding. I tried to carry on riding out and it wasn't really the best thing to do. It, you know, sort of dizzy and all over the place, really. So what did you do? I, so I sort of stopped riding out and tr tried to carry on day to day with helping, you know, the boys in the yard and things. And then I had to then sort of stop because it was dizzy and feeling sick and pressure behind my eyes and sort of feeling really not well. And then I carried, so sort of guided by Jerry, um, spent a lot of time this in... Dr Jerry Hill, yeah, who's yeah. The, the BHA doctor. Yeah, brilliant, and um, worked alongside him for, you know, a good couple of months and also Emma Edwards, um, vestibular physio, and it was persisting and persisting and they believed it was a concussion, but sort of not getting the answers and, and feeling And you better. had a brain scan by this point? Yeah, had brain scans. And it didn't show anything? No, all clear. All, and that was sort of the annoying thing. I thought, right, what's actually wrong, you know? But I, I, couldn't, I couldn't shake them off. So every normal test for a head injury, yeah. any damage, there was no damage in your brain, there was nothing that anyone could see, there was no bleed, there was no fracture to your neck? No, um, the concussion tests, obviously, you know, all jockeys do. It, it was slow, they're normal. Um, then I actually went to see a concussion doctor in London under um, Richard Sylvester, who, who the rugby union English team go to, and he said, look, I believe it could be a concussion, Will, but I think it's something called a, a CSF leak. Um, a CSF leak? Yeah, uh, so what that is is a, a tear in the membrane on your spine, and it's leaking spinal fluid out. Um, so I had the same with this, loads of different type of scans, CT scans, MRI, no sign of a leak. So I then actually went to see a, a top neurologist who's very big in this in sort of department and he said, look, from your symptoms, Will, we believe you've got a leak. The concussion, it's not that now, you know, there must be something else. So I had all different types of things. When I laid down, within 20 minutes, this pressure will drop out with no pillow. So um, it, it, that's sort of where I spend a lot of my time at the moment. Um, and so how, how much of it, what percentage of your life at the moment is spent? flat on your back? Um, a lot, to be honest, yeah. It, it, it's it, walking, talking, any head movement, anything that increases the heart rate will get this pressure to the point where it's virtually impossible to see. So I, I should just stress, if anyone's concerned, we, we came in beforehand and I, I was I was worried about the lights and the and the, and the studio, but you, you said you feel comfortable for, for 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, of course, no, it's my, you know, it's my pleasure to talk about it. Um, it's, it's not nice, you know, it's, it's horrible, but um, I've sort of had it for 18 months now, so I guess it's sort of become the norm for me. Um, I've had five surgeries on it already, um, and nearly had to go over to America to actually um, find the league to start with. That's, that's the biggest task for the team mm. I'm working with is to find them because they can actually be as small as a pinhead on, on your spine. Um, mine's a little bit different to a CSF leak. Mine's a CSF venous fistula, so it's um, a tear in the membrane, sort of ruptured the nerve sleeve, it's an abnormal connection between nerve root and blood vessel. So anything I do, head movement, walking, talking, speaking, and my heart rate increases, the fluid then becomes coming out faster and it causes the symptoms to be even worse. So I, um, I had... But am I right in saying they've locked off your brain so, so that this can't, get to your, this can't get to your brain anymore? Yeah, um, there can be anywhere in your spinal column and around your brain. Um, luckily for me, touch what I do, they believe I don't have one in my brain. Um, they're all in my spinal column. I had a big operation in, in the Wellington Hospital a couple of months back, which I thought was a final hurdle at the level of S1. Um, they wrapped the nerve 360 degrees all the way around. And um, unfortunately, I thought I'd hit the jackpot and so did the surgeons. When the surgeon got in, he actually had to take half the vertebrae out to access the canal of the spine and the nerves. And he said, we've hit the jackpot. It was a big fistula he found. And then he sort of said, right, two months, three months, we can start up in the game again, hopefully we can get you back out there. And then I, I went back then for the MRI scan. The surgery was fantastic, he was happy. He said, from a positive renogram I had earlier, which is basically where they inject contrast into your spinal column, was actually going into my kidneys very fast within the space of 30 seconds. In normal people, that would take a couple of hours. So the, 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 the neurologist was sort of very upset at the time. He said, look, don't panic, Will. There's got to be another one. We need to find it. Um, so I'm currently waiting for more operations to try and locate it. It's extraordinary how able you are to, to talk about your ex experiences and, and, and have that, that, that level of, 
uh, of detachment. It must have been the most horrific time for you. How have you managed to to get to the to this point? Um, I guess for me, Nick, you know, unless a doctor says, "Look, well, we can't fix it," I'll never give up. Um, it's very challenging, as much as I've ever been challenged in my life. I guess, um, obviously. Dr. Jerry Hill's amazing. He's by my side in every aspect, I guess, led by the professionals because it's also an injury he's never witnessed himself. Um, but no, it is a challenge, but I guess, um, you know, there's far worse people out there than me. I can walk and talk, so that's a positive. You still have an ambition to, to get back and, and ride racehorses, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's my passion. It's something I've always wanted to do, and I, I, I'm dying to get back out there, in all honesty. The hardest thing for me with it is I actually look fine on the eye and um, you know my arms not in a sling my, my, my legs not in a pot so I guess people you know sort of question it a bit but actually day by day life is very very tough at the minute um, I'd like to think I'm a strong type of lad but it's definitely the most I've ever been challenged ever really in life. Um, you s you're smiling a lot but I'm guessing that that's masking an awful lot of an awful lot of turmoil how are you managing to hold yourself together? Um, well, I guess really, Nick, you know, the positive is for me, um, they're not giving up, the surgeons. Um, there's always a, another another hurdle to cross, which I guess if the doctor said, look, well, we can't go any further with this, then there's a worry. I might have to look into something else. Um, but I guess the positive is, is we can keep going forward, hopefully, and hopefully we can find this next leak, um, the next operations I'm having they actually stop you breathing to try and locate it um, and they're classed as a gold standard and um, they're led by a, a very very top top guy in America and um, who is actually they're classed the world's best for finding these things and, and fixing them and the team I'm in dealing with in London are, are led by him so we've got I guess the best team we can possibly ever get on it so um, start on the lowest band one day on the left one day on the right six weeks later they move to the middle Six weeks after that, they move to the top. I'm hoping, please God, we can find it in the first hit, right. and then um, we can have the surgery to fix it. Worst case scenario, the doctors have said seven more operations will, um, and I, I guess I set my mind to that. And then anything else is a bonus. So you just take it step by step, very methodical. Yeah. That kind of really yeah. clinical approach to it. Yeah, I guess you know, with me, Nick, it's very depressing, really, because I I want to be out there, you know, and I live for it and. But I can't physically go out there yet because, you know, it's, it's virtually impossible to ride like this. Um, but, yeah, I guess trying to keep winning each round, my family, my girlfriend, you know, it's tough, great, great friends around me, you know, trying to just keep pushing, I guess, yeah. Well, I'm sure the, the sport is supporting you in every way that it can. And hopefully uh, today, Cornelius Ray, more people will, will know about Will's journey and will be... Well, can I say, be... to just say like that... It could be another seven operations. I, you know, um, applause for Agreed. taking it so much in your stride because it must be extraordinarily frustrating. And you, you seem to be a world expert on some of these terms as well now. That uh, you know, three or four years ago, you wouldn't have imagined what a whatever gram it was. No, yeah, um, you know, obviously, um, I actually spoke to Nick Skelton the other day um, on the phone, and he, he said, "I said, look, I've been out a long time, Nick," and he, he said, "Look, well." Obviously, you know, he had the broken neck and mm -hmm. things. He said, just let the doctors do the work, you know, that's right. all you can do. Um, he said, you've got two options. He said, you can have it, you know, be not in the game anymore, you know, and almost, you know, do something you regret or just keep pushing. The first one's not the option, you know, so we've got to just hang in there. And I guess working with Dan and Harry and also Nick created that mindset that, you know, they're amazing people. Um, so, no, I'm very, very lucky. I guess I can still walk and talk, unfortunately, for Josh, you know. Obviously, his injury was a lot worse than mine, and he's come out the other end. So, please God, we can come out the other end soon. And he's in the middle of charging through the, charging through the London he is. Marathon. Yeah, no, and he's given me some great words of advice also along the way. So, no, it's um, yeah, we keep pushing. You Great to hear what an inspiration yeah. Josh's story is oh. to you, and I'm sure yours is going to become at uh, some point to other people as well. Oh no, look, you know, more so for me, it was you know just to maybe raise awareness. A lot of them lads out there, you know, like. They, they'll do anything they can to ride in them races and sometimes it's probably not the right thing to do with the things that are going on, injuries and things, but it was more so just to try and raise a bit of awareness that I guess on the on the, the eye looking in it, it felt very much like a concussion, um, but 
you know, it was it was it was quite a serious injury in the end, I guess. But hopefully, we can be back out there soon. I have every confidence in you, uh, and your your mindset is incredible, uh, and what you've accomplished already is is extraordinary. Will, thanks so much for coming in and and sharing your story, and and goes without saying, all the very best, keeping our fingers firmly crossed for you. Thank you very much for having me, Nick. My Not pleasure. Imagine your career is progressing along one line and then a horse comes along and the whole picture seems to change. Luke Morris, my next guest, has always been a man who has worked incredibly hard. He's always ridden a lot of winners, some of whom have been at or near the top level. Remember how well he did on Marsha. That was just before he came on the show last time. But since then, we've enjoyed the story that has been Alpinista, the brilliant art winner. It's great to have you back, Luke. Um, has life changed? Um, obviously being associated with Emera's such high quality as Alpinista was uh, extremely special and um, you know I really enjoyed the journey. And it was a, a pretty amazing journey. There was so much goodwill towards Sir Mark in particular but uh, Kirsten Rousing as well and her, and her breeding programme. How special did it feel to be a part of all that? Were you, were you very cognizant of, of the history that went with the victory? Yeah, um, like for me personally you know you dream of those days. I've dreamt of wanting to be a jockey since the age of six or seven so to almost reach that pinnacle was hugely satisfying for myself but to be able to reward Miss Rousing, Sir Mark who you know they'd given me some fantastic opportunities on this wonderful mare and to be able to deliver them was uh, you know extremely special and I can't thank them enough for giving me those opportunities at such a high level. I can't help thinking that the one thing we overlooked in the Sort of human aspect of the of the day, and it was such a great story on so many levels. Was just how easily you won you won the arc, what looked quite a competitive arc as well. Yeah, um, do you know, I'd done all my homework. I'd probably watched about twenty five, twenty six arcs, and uh, seen where every winner had come. And after watching all their marked triumphs, there was not one that uh, there was not one horse that had won one with such ease, uh, kind of travelling inside of two. So. When I arrived into the fold straight, absolutely tanking, uh, it's kind of insight disbelief, to be honest. Did you think something must be wrong here? This is too good to be true. Um, obviously, <laughs> with a twenty-runner arc, you're um, you know expecting a, a bit of a rugby rugby scrum, especially in bad ground. But it all went exactly how we'd planned. Obviously, we'd been through the race of fine fine tooth comb and had a plan in place. And it's not very often that it comes off, especially in such a high-profile race. Yes, I, I remember thinking Luke Morris is used to riding horses with a stone in hand, but not normally in a level weights group one. <laughs> no, she's, uh, she's a magnificent filly, and the way she was handled by Sir Mark, William Butler, the whole team at Heath House uh, was incredible. You know, they, ne they never missed a beat, and the mayor never missed a beat either. What do you think the secret to it was? What do, what do you think they got absolutely right that might have not gone right in different hands? I think the patience really, she, you know, she, she only ran three times last year, she was due to go to the Coronation Cup, just wasn't quite there in her coat, wasn't quite working as, as well as she, she could do, so, uh, so Mark, obviously with the experience and the confidence, was able to back off her, wait for the race in Song Clue, and it was just a very mu much mapped out campaign, you know, through her whole career, and from that I thought she was able to um, progress into the, fil the filly or mare she became. I mean, clearly Sir Mark's career has been characterised by um, stickability with jockeys, you know, from George Duffield through Seb Sanders to, to you. How much difference does that make to your mental approach to a race, knowing that it is pretty unlikely that even if you foul up, you, you're going to keep the, you're going to lose the ride? Yeah, I think it instills a lot of confidence into a jockey when you go out there knowing it's almost your horse and, you know, I ride her and I work at home, so you know the horses very well and um, also um, you know the support of the owners as well Miss Rousen has been a huge supporter of Heath House for a long time so um, you know I went into the race you know it's, I was full I full well knew it was going to be the biggest ride of my career but I went into it with a huge amount of confidence that uh, whatever I did I was doing the right thing we'd been through the race and um, having that confidence in the horse and um, your connections has got to make a huge um, huge bonus so what impact has this had on, on the people around you, on your nearest and dearest? What sort of reaction did you get from the people you really care about? Um, it was quite overwhelming. Um, obviously, the, uh, 
the public affection for Sir Mark and Miss Rousing and everyone was great to see. Miss Rousing's been a huge supporter of racing and for a long time now and you know this filly's from obviously the the famous AL um, pedigree line which I think she's fifth generation so for her to reach that um, you know that that pinnacle with Alpinist to win an arc was was massive and it meant them a lot for obviously everyone else everyone in racing and myself included but um, you just hope having big days like this and being able to show you can um, you know you can deliver on the top day will um will you know give you a slight slight springboard um you know in my career you were, and you no last time we spoke you know you were, you were quite proud of the way that you'd you'd navigated your career and and you were you were pleased that you you'd built up so much experience and that you know really set you out to ride an awful lot of horses from January the 1st to December the 31st do you see that approach changing at all um I'm always extremely hungry and even, you know, every year I set my stall up to ride 100 winners. I, d I can't see that changing. I think the day that uh, I don't want to go to Windsor on a Monday or Brighton on a Tuesday and ride winners, I think that's the day then, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much finished really. You know, I've, I've got that hunger, I want to ride 100 winners. I was lucky to ride my 2000th winner not so long ago and um, now I'd love to ride 3000 winners. I mean, you knock out a thousand rides a year, and you seem to do it without looking exhausted or completely broken at the end of the season, like a lot of your colleagues do. Is it? Are you just good at putting the front on, or are, are you actually a machine? Um, I certainly wouldn't mention a machine, but I'm a machine. But uh, I'm extremely lucky, and I don't have any weight issues. I'm able to eat and drink exactly, you know, as 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 I can, and I'm sure that's hugely beneficial. But uh, I think kind of my desire to want to ride winners, want to be successful as helps as, you know, when it gets to a Monday and it's a wet Wolverhampton Monday, a lot of people might turn their nose up, whereas, you know, I want to go there and I want to ride winners. So you're just happy. You're just happy wherever it is, whoever it's for, within reason. Yeah, um, obviously we all want to be there on a big stage. You know, I would have loved to have been at Newbury yesterday riding fancy horses in the green and then the... Fred Darling, as it turned out, I, you know, if I'd have gone to Newbury, I'd have probably had a few outside chances, bigger price horses. I was more than happy to go to Brighton for two or three favourites and and have chance of riding winners. Um, you know, I think the hunger that you know you want to ride winners, is, 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 while that's always there, that's where I'd rather be. Where do you think that that mentality comes from? What do you think sowed that in you? Because you are rare relative to your peers in um, the way you approach the game? Yeah, I think from a young age, like from six or seven, I was probably quite obsessed with wanting to be a jockey. And, you know, from then it was a, it was a, I knew it was going to be a 10 year wait till I could be on a race course. So um, that's always been in me, whether I was at school running cross country or playing football, I've always wanted to be as be you know, as good as I could be. And um, I've worked extremely hard to, um, to, to try to maintain and try to be as good as I can be. How do you think this season is going to progress? Do you think you're going to get better rides? Are you going to be riding better horses? Has the effect of Alpinista already been felt? Um, I think it's probably a bit premature to judge at the moment um, whether, whether winning, obviously, the arc and the group ones that Alpinista provided me um, has, has, has evolved. But um, you, you hope it can only do um, positive things for your career and... Like I say, Sir Mark's been a massive supporter. Um, you know, Archie Watson's a huge supporter of mine as well. I've ride lots of wins for him every year, and you just hope a, another few might jump on board along the way. But um, like I say, I'm I'm very pleased with the hand I've been dealt, and um, I just want to keep keep those people happy. Um, last time you were on the show, we talked a bit about the whip, and that was before we got into the interminable consultation period about the the changes to the rules and. You kept being held up as an example of someone who might who might struggle with the with the new regulations. Have you struggled? Um, at the moment, I've had absolutely no suspensions, and um, in in the first week uh, of the bedding in period, I I had three three uh, three separate instances that were refer referred, and I um, I worked extremely hard behind the scenes at home. I've got a gym and an exerciser. 
and I've worked extremely hard to try and make sure that I've, I've adapted to the new rules and um, since then I've had absolutely no cases, no suspensions and um, like I say, it's just um, the rules have changed and you've got to work hard to adapt to it. Um, you have a you have a very no-nonsense approach in in that respect. I mean, you were you were quite outspoken at one point last year when you said, "Look, you know, you go to a different country, you've got to be able to count. If if it's five, you count to five. If it's six, you count to six. If it's seven, you count to seven. Um, do you actually think it's pretty straightforward? Um, I think obviously the numbers is very straightforward. The technical side does take a bit of getting used to because um, they, they have changed quite a lot in terms of the time to respond the and other matters so um you know that 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 is not simple at all when you've ridden the same way for as some people 20 30 years it's not easy to adapt but um the numbers i think the numbers are fairly fairly straightforward and is this an example i mean this is what i was trying to get at before of n not allowing yourself to get het up by the what's going on around the sport and that the the fact that you're just concentrating on what's in front of you does that help you in that respect yeah I think trying to trying to obviously not take in the outside noise and just channel your you know yourself into your your, your own ball game certainly helps and um, like I said there, there is a lot of outside noise at the moment but um, you're just trying to um, do the best you can keep a nice bit of keep a nice bit of perspective exactly and do you find that your own family life gives you that gives you that perspective as well yeah obviously um you know i've, I've now got a one-year-old son and uh that uh it certainly changed your perspective on life and uh you know when when you may have had a day that hasn't gone particularly well uh you come home and um you know it's so it's, it's all rosy in the garden so um you know that's certainly changed in my life but uh you know it, it certainly helps and um you know I, i'm really enjoying it how's he getting on he's uh he's Fully mobile now. He's 16 months, and he, uh, you know, he's uh, keeping me, keeping me and my partner Molly on our toes. Don't t don't say it's easy. You're not going to say that's easy as well, are you? I can I can cope with the I can cope with the 5,000 rides a, in five years as easy. I can cope with winning the arc with straightforward. I can cope with you adjusting your whip action. Telling me that looking after a 16-month-old toddler is easy, and then I'm, I'm afraid then I'm going to have to actually start testing to see if there's a pulse there. <laughs> no, he's uh, he's not easy, especially Good, now he's mobile. He is real. Yeah, he, he is real, ladies and gents. <laughs> but you're you're all doing well. You know, all going well. And um, now he's mobile. He's chasing ponies, chasing chickens and ducks around the garden. So he's uh, he's he's manic. Are you um? So have you have you got thoroughbreds at home as well? Um, I have a couple of mares. Uh, Alpinista enabled me to buy a to buy a slight a slightly nicer mare ah. in December. So. Uh, I, I'm probably a bit boring. I don't have too many hobbies outside of racing. I'm quite engulfed in the sport, and uh, I've always wanted to to buy a nice mare. I enjoy bloodstock. I enjoy studying pedigrees. So uh, winning the arc enabled me to buy myself uh, a quite a nice mare, and uh, she's um, she's got a lovely foal on the ground, and she's back in foal. So uh, fingers crossed, she can um, you know all that can wipe its face because what I've learned is it's it's an expensive process. Yeah, I was just going to say you. You know, you very careful guy. You made a few quid. How do you now? How do you nurture this 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 money? You go and buy a broodmare. Yeah, um, with the help of a really good guy called Joseph Burke, um, we spent know, we spent five or six days walking around this December sales with a long list and uh, never managed to get near anything at all. But uh, he uh, he picked up a lovely mare in Arcana mm -hmm. uh, in Fold to See the Moon. So we've got the filly on the ground. She, she's gorgeous. Gorgeous and you've got her at home? Uh, she's at the stud at the moment, so she went off a month before and she'll stay a month after and then she'll be back home uh, next Sunday. So uh, it's, it's exciting and you know I, I, I enjoy the bloodstock side of it. It kind of gives me a thrill and um, just hoping it can wipe its face. So who's she been covered by? Uh, she's in full now to study of man. Excellent. Uh, staying loyal to Miss Rousing, obviously. Exactly. And he's a, obviously he's a son of Dim Deep Impact, a very good French derby winner. So... Um, We've seen what the Deep Impact lines uh, produce through Saxon Warrior, so um, I'm excited to see what uh, what comes of that. And I'm pretty sure when I interviewed Miss um, Rousing on on my podcast a few months ago, she said, "Yeah, it'll be Dubawi this year and Study of Man next year for Alpinista." Yeah, she's in full now to Dubawi, so um, if um, 
if Study Man's good enough for um, Alpinist, it's certainly good enough for my mare Clara Luna. I mean, it is, it's like the, the, the best advert in the world, isn't it, for, for the stallion? I'm just going to allow him my, my art winner. That's faith. Exactly. Obviously, Miss Rousen's got a huge amount of confidence in Study Man, and we've got a few of them at some arcs, and um, all the signals are right at the moment. Um, are, are there better horses at Heath House this year? Um, we're lacking, a, certainly looking, lacking an yeah. alpinista going forward. But we, just in, ter in terms of the kind of mean, mean level of ability? Um, we've got a really nice stock of kind of progressive horses that you're hoping will make that jump up to either very good handicapper stroke black type horses. But our general stock of two-year-olds, if you, you look at them on face value on paper, that they look a really good bunch. Um, mm. As always, Miss Rousen sent a very good draft. Other loyal supporters, um, Cheveley Park, Dempford Stud, as well as a few new faces, um, Queen and Co the, the King and Queen Concert of Centre Couple, Gorgeous Frankel of, of um, Al Wazmir Stud, and plenty of other new faces in there as well. So uh, you certainly hope that amongst that crop there's going to be a good one in there. Whether there's an Alpinista, we'll see. But, uh, you know, they look a really good bunch on paper.